Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. The email came in, hello Jim, I occasionally listen to your program and find it very informative. Thank you for giving us such beneficial information over the radio. I have a question regarding my 15 year old AC unit that I am being told needs to be replaced. Every year for the past several years I've had to have Freon added as it goes low. I've been quoted 6500 for a 5 ton 14 sear system. Is this a reasonable price, or am I being overcharged? Thank you, Philip. Well, it really depends on what the system is. And I say that because there are some just really cheap systems out there I would not put in my home that that would be overpaying. But if you're getting a good system, no, that's a very reasonable price. Now, I would tell you... I would look at something a little higher sear rated than a 14 sear. Uh, in today's market, the sweet spot, in my opinion, is a, is like a 16 sear rating. That's where you're not getting so high price that you're not going to recoup it in the energy savings. So that's where I would be taking a look at. And stick with the, stick with the good systems, carrier and systems along those lines to help you out and... Uh, You'll, you'll find that it'll be much better. And I want to make sure on one thing, that this is replacing both the inside and outside unit. You would be amazed at how many contractors will, will try to get by with charging you this for just the outside unit. So you want to take a look at both. I would tell you, uh, give Advent Air a call and uh, at least get a price from them. I, I use them on my own home and on my office. They do a great job and uh, can definitely take care of you. Their number is 972-221-4373. Uh, and the fact that you're having to add Freon every year does indicate that there is a leak in the system somewhere. Uh, it would have been helpful to know how much it's leaking, and I, and I say that because... You know, if you're only adding a half a pound a year, I wouldn't be looking at replacing it yet. I'd be prepared that, yeah, it's going to go out sooner or later and have to be replaced. But, uh, you know, if you're adding two or three pounds a year, it's time to get it taken care of. Charlie, how can I help you? Good afternoon, Jim. Hey, you afternoon. said something earlier that I can't wrap my brain around as to how it works. How does a duckless... Uh -oh air conditioning system works. How does it work? Okay. You basically you have your unit outside and quite frankly they're much smaller than a conventional air conditioning unit outside and then copper tubes go up to what's called a cassette or the head unit whatever you want to call it that's mounted inside the room and there's different styles of those available. Some hang on the wall, they're relatively small. Others can be stuck up into the ceiling. Uh, and the like if you put one up in the ceiling, it looks very similar to what you would see in an RV uh, as far as the AC unit. Sure. And so basically the, the copper tubes go straight to that unit. 
there's no duct or anything because all the air comes out of that unit directly. There is a uh, drain line that does have to be run from that unit because that replaces the unit in the attic. Uh, and so you've got one in each room then that you want to cool. And the compressor outside, pardon? I started to say, where do you get the airflow from if it's just coming in via a pipe? Nope, it comes in. The airflow actually comes from each individual room. That unit sucks the air in, cools it, and puts it back out. Oh, okay. It cycles right, it cycles right through that unit itself inside the room. What is the cause for that versus a conventional air it is a little bit more than a conventional air conditioning system, uh, but really if you get into where you're replacing the conventional system and all the duct work and everything, then it becomes extremely cost competitive. Uh, one of the beautiful things about them is the SEER rating is substantially higher on these units, and they operate on a variable speed. And so, like the one I put in my house has a, a SEER rating of 25, oh. but because it rarely runs at full, that's if it's running at full blast. It rarely has to run at full blast because I have it set where it's continuously on, so it stays on very low, and so it's typically going to be operating like 30, 32 SEER. I'll be darned. Are, are they as cost-effective as the... Uh is the regular air conditioners, are they more expensive to operate? Oh, no, much, much cheaper to operate. Okay. I think you're, and we're going to talk about this uh, with Donnie from uh, Carrier here in a few minutes, but I think you're going to see in the future more and more air conditioning is going to be going over to these ductless systems, especially here in Texas where they're uh, making it where you have to go back with hard duct. They're wanting to do away with the flex duct in two years. And if they start, you know, once they start doing that, uh, these ductless systems are going to be very, very cost competitive. In fact, I, I suspect they're going to be cheaper to operate than a duct-type system, or cheaper to install, rather, than a duct-type system. And if you got rooms with cathedral ceilings and things like that, it, it, it's a much better install. We're talking with... Donnie King from Carrier. And, Donnie, you know, before we left, I said uh, the last big question I have is mini-split versus traditional air conditioning systems. Uh, what's our biggest difference? And one of the big questions that people ask me all the time is what's the price difference? And I know it all depends on installation as far as pricing, but let's, let's talk about the biggest difference as far as feeling and cooling and all that stuff. Okay. Well, the biggest difference would be how it maintains each individual space. So your traditional system uh, has feet of ductwork. Typically, you know, a, a traditional house could have over 100 feet of ductwork that uh, delivers air into each individual space, one outdoor unit and one furnace, one coil somewhere hooked up to it. The way that a ductless mini-split works is you can have either one outdoor unit with one indoor unit for a particular zone, like a master bedroom or a sunroom or an office, or you could have one outdoor unit with up to eight or nine indoor units to do the whole entire house. It's not as common here in the south as it is maybe up north, 
but it's becoming more and more popular. The uh, the, the multiple head unit, I should say. So well, the big advantage the, of that is you can have different temperatures then in different rooms. Correct, or you can turn a room off. So if you have different indoor units in different rooms, you can turn a unit off without uh, restricting airflow. And I know you probably have talked about this, Jim, but a lot of homeowners like to go around in a room that they're not using and shut the vents. And what that does yeah. is that puts static pressure back on the main system and doesn't help the system out at all. Actually, in the long run, it will hurt the big system, hurt the main system by shutting off the vents. Um, what the mini-split system does is you can turn it off or you can turn the temperature up or down and make each individual zone its own temperature. In fact, I had a call about that uh, in the first hour of the show where a guy had a 1,200-square-foot house. His main room is in the middle of the house. All the other rooms are on the sides, and he was wanting to turn them off and just really maintain the big room. And like I told him, you can't really do that because you, your system is designed to operate throughout that whole system. But with mini splits, he could have done that. Correct. So the way I like to explain to homeowners is if you have a five gallons of water that's supposed to run through a series of pipes and five gallons runs through them smoothly if they're all open, when you shut one down, one or two zones, in, in your instance, and you pour the same five gallons in there, you're going to have overflow and you're going to have spillage. Well, that spillage is pressure back on the motor, and yep. that will eventually cause those motors to go out. And that's probably one of the number one failures of indoor fa uh, motors is that people have shut vents down and that the static pressure is too high. What, what I, I mean, I wish I'd have been on when he called because I would have suggested put a mini split in that main room. He could have uh, set the temperature to whatever temperature he needed, and then when he leaves that main room and goes back to his bedroom, he could turn the mini split off. There you go. That would have solved it. Hey, you know, and but and that brings up one other question though, because a lot of people have it in their head that these systems are designed for a particular room or a different a set style of room. But you know what you were just talking about a second ago. You can have one outside unit and be running eight or nine uh, cassettes off of it, so you can you can in essence do the whole house. Correct. Yeah, I think there's a there's a big misperception in the in the industry, I would say, and especially in the field where people think that the mini splits are only good for certain applications, converted garages, add-on additions, sunrooms, and those sorts of applications. And really what we're finding is people who buy and use a mini split are putting them in rooms that they're in all the time. Master bedroom, for example, is one of the biggest uh, selling points or one of the biggest rooms in the house that people put a mini split in, primarily because you spend most of your time in your master bedroom. And you want to sleep when it's nice and cool, especially in the summertime. You want to make that master bedroom cooler. With the traditional system, the only way to do that is to turn the thermostat down and cool the whole entire house. Nobody yep. wants to pay for that. Yep, and, and so yeah, it's it's a it's a great option for more and more. And, and you know, as as the rules in Texas are changing, where they're requiring these hard duck, uh, these mini splits are going to become very cost effective as well. Correct. Yeah, and they've already become more cost effective over the last several years um, as, as they become anything that becomes more accepted and more used in the uh, in, in an industry 
then the price tends to drop for the consumers, and, and that's what's happening. It's what we're seeing in the field. It's what we're seeing in, uh, on our side of the business. And, yep. uh, you know, they are the most popular segment of the business. I know we don't want to get into that necessarily, but the, the, it is the most popular segment of the HVAC businesses, mini splits. And, you know, like you said, as more and more people do it, it the cost is going to come down. I mean, think about cell phones when they first came out and, and uh, how, you know, how the pricing has come down on those things and flat screen TVs and everything else. It just, it, it uh, usability drives the pricing down. Correct. Exactly. Well, Donnie, you mind if we take a, a quick call here? Sure, I'd love it. Dennis, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can we help you? Yes, I'm interested in the cost, say uh, the cost per ton for installation on the mini splits versus a classical or conditional ducting system. What What's the cost differential per ton on that? And, and Donnie, well, I'll let you address that because uh, I don't know that it's it's really a cost difference per ton as much as it is where you're installing. Right. That, that, was, that was going to be my answer. So it, cost per ton is really a, uh, a vague uh, way to cost a, a system out. If contractors are doing cost per ton, uh, I typically try to warn them to, uh, to you know, maybe change their costing. It becomes very ambiguous. And so the cost of a mini split, because they are uh, sized, not differently, but there are more sizes, we have a 9,000 BTU, which is a three-quarter ton, all the way up to a four-ton. And then depending on if that four-ton has two indoor units or five indoor units, the cost can, can change. Depending on if you use a wall mount or a ceiling cassette or a floor mount or maybe a small slim ducted unit, all of those things factor into the cost. What, what I like to talk about more than just the upfront cost is what's, what's the application? On a traditional system, you're typically trying to do either the whole house or a large portion of the house. And with the ductless systems, what I tell contractors is you're typically trying to solve this problem in a zone. Maybe it's the master bedroom. Maybe it's the upstairs game room or a sunroom or a wall that's on the west side of the house. You're typically just going after one or two zones. And so uh, the cost per ton gets a little ambiguous. They are, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. They are a little more expensive than a traditional system. But the energy efficiency savings and the overall comfort that they deliver offset the, the upfront cost. Ted, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yeah, I have uh, I've just replaced my central heat and air conditioning upstairs. And I was wondering, can you put these mini splits downstairs? Uh, will it work? with uh, upstairs unit how do you mean so, work with the upstairs unit well I mean is it gonna is is it gonna be like having another uh, central heat and air conditioning unit downstairs you know because we leave the upstairs open to where you know it stays about the same temperature in the house gotcha well, Donnie, I think that's basically what you were just talking about, the fact that uh, it only draws what it needs to offset the temperature. Correct. So typically in Texas, uh, when we have an upstairs-downstairs uh, 
situation. The upstairs is, is the major load contributing to the cooling factor. And so the upstairs unit will have a considerable higher uh, cooling load. Downstairs may just need just a little bit of offset. And so a mini split is a perfect application to put one downstairs, maybe in the uh, dining room or in the main living room, to uh, help, one, temper the air, get it nice and cool for you. And two, which we haven't touched on, is dehumidify, because that's going to be one of the things that it's going to do consistently is help dehumidify the downstairs. But, yes, it will yep. work uh, alongside the traditional system. Uh, I have one more question. I have one more question. Do they okay. make them in a uh, uh, propane? Can can you run these with a propane system? Well, you don't you don't need any uh, propane heat. So they're, it uses electric electricity to generate the heat as yeah. a heat pump, and so uh, you won't need to hook up any gas to it. Okay. And it'll uh, okay. and it'll generate the heat, all the heat you need in the Texas market. It'll generate that for you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ted. Oh, thank you. David, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Yes, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Se- uh, second floor condominium air conditioning unit. Friday evening, the drain pan stopped draining, so I started having dripping. Oh. I had a air conditioning guy out yesterday. He blew 250 pounds of air through it twice. Yep. We cannot get it unplugged. Okay. Um, now, was he blowing through the secondary drain or the primary? He, it would have been the primary. Okay. So now you got to figure out what to do with it, right? Right. He was even <laughs> saying I might have to bypass that one and uh, do a connection to my sink and drain it out that way. Where is that one connecting to? Well, it's in the kitchen. It's it's a, in the ceiling unit. Okay, but where does the drain go? The drain goes through the first floor and out the building somehow, somewhere. Ah, okay. Normal on new construction now is to drain them underneath a sink in a bathroom. So if you decide to go that route, you're actually doing what's currently done in most cities for draining it. Uh, Used to be they would allow them also to tie into the vent stacks, a lot of cities have done away with that, uh, not wanting sewer gas to back up into the system. But uh, if for some reason he cannot get it unplugged, that's probably what you'll end up doing. Now, I personally, before I would do that, um, how you got any idea how far out, you, how how long a run it is before it goes outside? I have no idea. It's okay. a building built in the 70s. Okay. Here's what I would try before I, I bothered rerouting all that. Go to the bo- the box store or the hardware store and get get what's called a uh, a fishing wire. You know what they what electricians use for pulling wire through walls and things. Okay. And you can try to run that down through that drain pipe. You know, that it's used a lot of times to, to run new wires through three-quarter inch pipe, which is normally what the drain pipe is. And hopefully okay. what you'll do is you'll get to wherever the plug is and be able to push the plug out of the way. And once that's done, it should start flowing again. Okay. Then, if you get it flowing again, dump some bleach down in there. 
Uh, and and this is for everybody listening. If if we would all go up once a quarter or twice a year and dump a cup, just a cup of bleach down through our AC drains, it keeps them from growing molds, mildews, and things like that that eventually plug them up. But I'm betting that's all it is because I mean, if nothing else has been happening, uh, you know, it the only thing that can happen is that it it starts growing those molds and mildews down there and plug up. Do you think a plumber could help me? Ah, um... uh, possibly, but I, I will tell you because I own a plumbing company, uh, they don't mm-hmm. typically carry that kind of equipment to snake out a line that small. Okay. Okay. Well, I certainly will try that. All right. David, good luck with that. Message that came in on Wednesday. When we flushed the toilet in another bathroom and when the washing machine is on and in draining cycle, there's a sound of the draining water hitting the metal. Kind of echoing. Can be heard right outside of the master bathroom. What should we do? Please advise. Thank you. Well... First of all, what you're probably hearing is nothing more than the water running through the drain. Uh, I'm kind of questioning a couple things. You know, if you're hearing it outside versus inside can make a difference. If you're hearing it inside, I'd say be checking the tub and the shower uh, to make sure that there's water standing in the P-traps because you shouldn't be hearing the drain running through there uh, if if there's water in the P-traps. If it's outside, as you mentioned on here, I'm really questioning, does your clean-out have a cap on it? Now, even with the cap on the clean-out, you know, which is nothing more than a cover, you could still hear the water flowing by. But without the cap, you can definitely hear it. Uh, if it's really a, a, a loud where you're, you're restricting the water flow, you know, there could be something down in there that the water is hitting. And if that's the case, you know, have a snake run through the pipe. That'll clean it out and get it flowing right again. So the key thing here is going to be, have you always heard it or if this is something new? If it's something new, there's a new blockage that's building up, and eventually it'll back up the sewer system. That's why I would want you to clean it out. But if it's something that's always been there and you've been in the house for a long time, don't worry about it. I mean, how often are you going to be flushing the toilet while you're standing outside there listening for it or the washing machine discharging where you're going to be hearing it out there. So it's not one of those things that you need to get overly uh, concerned about. I I really wouldn't lose a whole lot of sleep over this. And even if it does back up, honestly, if, if it's a clean out right there and the top is off, it's going to back up out the clean out. If the plug is beyond the clean out. If it's up on the house side, normally when it backs up, it's backing up into the shower pan or the bathtub. So that needs a good scrubbing afterwards. So then I'd get a little bit more concerned about it. Ty, welcome to KRLD. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Hey, I appreciate you calling. I was calling because my my shower has a some reason sometimes it runs really hard the pressure is really high and then other uh-huh. times the the pressure is just like normal and for the last you know two or three weeks it's been running kind of high it makes my hot water run out a lot faster i was wondering is there like a, a fix for this well most shower heads have a restrictor in them nowadays to 
uh, limit how much water actually comes through them. But is it the sh is only the shower getting this uh, pressure increase and decrease, or is other fixtures getting it as well? I'm sorry, so is it only the shower? Is it only in the shower that you notice that the pressure goes up and down? Yeah, yeah, it's Does only the in the sink shower do that I it as well. It. it could also be in the same the, the same sink in that bathroom, but I only notice it in the shower. Okay. And the reason I'm asking that is sometimes some cities have fluctuations in their water pressure as well. City yeah, water so. pressure. That might be what it is. I've had a neighbor say say something about that. Not not oh. a immediate neighbor, but but yeah. a couple blocks away. Yep, because city pressure will range between 50 and 80 psi, and so that's that's you know that's quite a variance. And you know if you're getting 75 psi one morning and the next morning you're getting 50, hey, that's a one third pressure drop. That's yeah. That's a pretty big difference. So, but the reason that happens is, a lot of cities, you know, you you have a water tower. They fill that water tower. That's what determines how much water pressure you're going to have because they work off the head pressure. The water that's in the tower actually okay. is what feeds the water system and pushes puts the pressure out to the line. So as the water level drops in the tower the pressure tends to go down a little bit. Then as they pump water back into it, it increases up again. Yeah, that makes sense, especially for my area. Makes a lot okay. of sense. Well, thank you for this. Uh, there's, there's not now, really too much you can do. I guess I'll just the, enjoy the there, pressure. There actually, is, there, there, uh, there actually is pressure regulators that you can put on the house that you can regulate so that you know when they increase their pressure, yours is not increasing in your house. Uh, you know, that can be done. Typically, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of four to $800 to do something like that. Okay. Well, and, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for it, the heads up. You bet. Take care. You, and, uh, you know, just for everybody listening, that's a device that would go where the water is coming into the house. And it can just regulate the, the city pressure. And, and really, if your pressure is going over 80 that's when you really want to start looking at putting one of those pressure regulators in because at that you can start blowing out lines and and things uh that can cause leaks uh, and and really really with some of the shower heads it becomes a little painful to be in the shower even jordan welcome to krld uh yes thanks for taking the call my pleasure how can well, i help uh, you yeah we have a, a house uh, you know, with the laundry room, obviously, and the sewer gas you know, comes from it. Okay. And we can't figure out, you know, I've tried different things, uh, you know, where it's coming from or how to figure out how to fix it. How old a home is it? Well, we got it in 1980. New. Right. Oh, you bought it new in 1980. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, 1980 should have PVC plumbing under it. Uh, because a lot of times when you smell sewer gas like that, and especially if it's in a laundry room, it's coming from the P-trap in the, uh, you know, for the dish, for the washing machine discharge. Yeah. And uh, when it's, when it's cast iron pipes, a lot of times it's just that the pipe has deteriorated. Normally, if it's PVC, it's a single break under there that's usually not that big a deal to get taken care of. But that's ex that is where I would start is 
having a what's called a static test done on the sanitary sewer lines and basically to do that what they do is where the clean out is for the sewer lines leaving the house they drop a test ball in there blow it up and fill the entire system with water and see if it holds if it holds that's not it's not going to be in the sewer pipe if it if the water level drops then they can do what's called an isolation test and find out exactly where the leak is, repair the leak, and you should be back with no problem. The P-traps, a lot of people don't realize this, but P-traps hold water in order to block the sewer gas from coming in the house because all sewer pipes have sewer gas in them. And that, if that P-trap doesn't hold water any longer, you start getting the gas coming in the house. So well, that's I mean, where I, I would start. I removed the wall in front of the P-trap so we could see it, and I guess I don't see any water leaking out of it. Okay, so you can physically see the P-trap? Yeah, I made it so I could see it, and it doesn't okay. look like it's leaking. So that's what I, The secondary know. place where something like that can happen is in the vent stack. If the vent stack has a, a break in it somewhere, you can get the sewer gas smell in as well. Uh, and... And I'm going to, I made the assumption I should have asked this first. This is a new problem, right? This isn't something that's been there for a long time. No, it's been there for a few couple of years, two or three years. Yeah, but not not for the 30 years that you've had the house. No, uh, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it very well could be then in the vent stack that there's a break somewhere or a hole in it, you know, because sometimes rodents will will chew through stuff, and that will allow the sewer gas to get into the home as well. Okay, so you think just replacing all that pipe would be a starting? And I could do it. Yeah, I mean, you could do it. I don't know that I would do it that way. Um, what truth, was the first test you mentioned? A static test. Static? Yeah. And it, who does uh, well, that? The complete name is a hydrostatic test. And that's and for the sewer line. That's for the leak. sewer lines, yeah. Who, who, any plumber does that? An, any plumber can do it. I mean, you can call my my company, Do West. We'd be more than happy to do it for you, but any plumbing company can do that for you. So if they did their test, they could see where there's a leak in the sewer line. Yep. And would that also include the stack? It normally does not. Uh, if it's in the stack, and, nor, and and quite frankly, if you can see the P-trap and, and you can run rotter through there and you're not seeing leaks, I don't think that's where it's going to be. Uh, that's why I'm thinking you'd probably need to shift over and start checking the stack. Normally for checking stacks, they use what's called a smoke bomb that they drop in there. And they seal the top and let the smoke penetrate out. It'll show if there's any leaks in the in the vent stacks. Where where do you put the smoke bomb? Down uh, the vent it normally stack? It, down the vent stack, yeah. So you just drop it down there and top, put a top on it. If smoke comes out, then you find the leak. Yep. Okay. Okay, well, these are some good ideas. Thank you. Okay. Good luck with that, Jordan. I kind of want to go back and address that uh, issue where Ruth called in about the window company. And, you know, I gave her the same advice. I would give anybody as far as, and I didn't know it was America's Choice Windows, but if, you, if you're if having problems, 
getting an answer that you want, send it in writing. Writing always gets a response from the people that you're sending it to, especially if you send it certified mail. Because now you've documented what you're trying to do. So, uh, I mean, that's just solid advice for anybody that is, is having an issue with a contractor. And you got to be reasonable, though. I mean, if the original project, you know, to order the materials was five, six weeks, you be probably rest assured it's probably going to take that long to get the secondary stuff out, too, if they've got to do something else. So it's not always just a snap the fingers and, and it can be taken care of. But uh, I think that's pretty solid advice, though, for anybody that's that's having an issue with a contractor because it's all going to have to be documented at some point in time. And phone calls typically don't count as good documentation. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.